0: Salam, Shalom, Namaste, this is uh, Naeem Abdurraffi, and you're listening to uh, Memoir uh, Workshop Podcast. And we're going to uh, continue today uh, with uh, Raja Woodard and, and, and his story, but uh, be, before we get to his story, let me tell you a bit of my story, which is what this podcast is all about. It is a piece of a writer's workshop that um, uh, anyone can participate in. And the, uh, the idea of the workshop is, okay, first of all, you don't need to be a writer. Okay. All right. But uh, you, you might want to participate. Uh, because uh, one of our objectives is that as a group we will uh, uh, produce a, a best-selling novel, at least one. Okay? At least one. And we will share the proceeds. Okay? Uh, and uh, who knows what happens at the, at, you know after that. And because the process is people telling stories, uh, that's the process by which we get 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 a get a novel shaped up, uh, because that is our process. Those telling stories like Roger will their stories uh, will eventually uh, shape themselves into a memoir. Okay, so what you can do is take a look at my website. Uh, it's a six zero seven two zero six nine seven two zero dot com six zero seven two zero six nine seven two zero dot and you'll get a clearer picture of what what we're talking about here. Uh, we haven't started yet, but uh, you know, with 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 the workshop, and, and it can be accessed by way of Zoom. And, and and by way of facebook uh and 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 in person as a matter of fact okay so we're going to get going uh with with Roger, and uh Roger, are you there yes okay well you got it my brother i'm i'm going to keep okay. quiet all right thank
1: you mm-hmm. uh i believe i left off uh with the tragic death of Malcolm X and what was going on at the time. A Lot of my peers, and my close friends had gravitated towards uh, Islam. And uh, some of them had made a, got involved in a situation in Harlem where they were prosecuted and then eventually appealed and released. And so significant person that, I will mention now is the father and that has to do with five percenters i can't go and tell about myself without mentioning them because they played a part in my my development because you had to make a choice which way you was going to go at that time uh, and i was heavy into selling drugs and so th- that wasn't a good fit and i had no desire to converting at that time to islam and so i just went my way and uh, my friends stayed my friends throughout and yes i knew the the father very well me and him go back to say the early 61 62 uh, when he used to come in the store and uh, do what he do i won't go into details i just leave it at that. Anyone that know him, really know him, know what he was about and know what he achieved. Can't leave that out. Know what he achieved. They have a presence now in Harlem and beyond. And so right now is, I, I, I believe I should be about 69, 1969, going into the 70s, and things get a little rack is out and is out of my life. It's all about penitentiary, all about the prison system now. And things was really going good. I was still making money and, uh, but I I would have to say that my participation in in some heavy crimes had elevated to And uh, not that I gave it any thought at that time, but it, the elevation just just happened. And yes, me and my mentor was still, had a relationship and uh, off and on at times, but we still had a relationship. And I just struggled through and doing what I did. And I believe at that time, say, 1970, two or 71 we were partic- we were living in, in in new jersey and uh everybody was encouraging me to uh, get married <laughs> you know uh, uh my partner's uh wife may she rest in peace uh yvonne was the the main person that was trying to encourage me, Roger, settle down, get get away. And so she orchestrated uh, my marriage in a sense. And uh, I'm I'm still with that lady. I'm still in her life, she's still in my life. You know, after almost 60 years, I guess, somewhere in that area, five decades. Anyway, uh, sometime after, marriage and we settle in. uh, I get a call from Trenton, New Jersey. And Trenton, New Jersey was one of my earliest spots that I worked. As uh, a distributor. And heroin, cocaine and whatnot. And uh, you get to meet the young ladies, street ladies, by the way. And I get a call about. And she explained to me that. uh, certain person had come into a lot of money and uh at that time uh, you say 72 40 grand is a sizable amount and that, that got not that got my attention and uh i knew i needed another party to uh, execute this this thing this plan and uh I searched for individual. My main, uh, the main individual that I searched for, I couldn't find. So I wind up taking one of the guys out of the project, St. Nicholas Project, and uh, we wind up wasting eight years in state prison system in in New Jersey because of that situation, uh, kidnapped for ransom, and uh, my stay and uh state prison there was uneventful other than the fact that we were from new york and really didn't have no homies and i realized or i found out later on during the process of pre-trial and everything that the individual that i picked to go down into jersey and execute this was illiterate, he couldn't read, he could not read. All right, for that matter. But he disguised it so well that I would never know that he couldn't read. Nobody asks for a resume when you're on the street, you just take it for granted that somebody could read. And right, but he couldn't. And may rest in peace, Joseph Tyson. He's, he's passed, long passed. And so my time was spent babysitting him as we went from prison to prison. First of all, pre trial and all this and all that. And uh, I found out this information, and then I had to babysit him. But take nothing away from him, he was qualified to do the job that we were down there to do, but it, it was just more a burden on me to be with somebody that couldn't, you know, understand the law as I could read it and, and break it down to them and what was our best option as far as getting out there with a minimal amount of time. And at that time, kidnapped for ransom was a mandatory 30 to life. This is my first time that I will face a life sentence. And that's what kidnapped for ransom carry in the state of New Jersey. And so we stayed down there two years in the county jail 96 Cooper Street. I don't think it's there anymore. It was old when I was there. So I know it's probably torn down now, but we stayed two years in there with riots. I had a riot and uh, accused me of trying to burn the county jail down and I mean, I was I was just young, still young and wild. And uh, and that happened because of no medical attention. Was given to one person that was in uh, serious pain. I I don't know what it was. And if he was in the system, then they really didn't care too much about you. And uh, we start burning the place down. And uh, it turned into a riot in 96 Cooper Street at that time. Uh, Eventually, they got back control of the county jail. And uh, now they wanted to prosecute us for arson and starting a riot and whatnot. And everybody, this is when I was interviewed by a lieutenant in 96 cooper street and he told me exactly what everybody was saying that they said that roger wood joseph tyson was responsible for everything we started you know everything and this is the lieutenant is telling me this and he kind of warned me at that time that listen you need to just focus on your case and stay out the political issues of this county jail here and try to get your you and your crime here, out of here so you know after two years in the county jail they know you and know what you about and they they knew my record they knew that i wasn't really uh uh what can i say i wasn't i wasn't no way near political you know but i was changing my Ideology was changing, you know, and uh, I just couldn't take and stand by and see an uh, injustice in front of my face. I would speak up, and that has been me ever from that point on. I didn't even know I had that in me, but it, it was it was a serious ride. It was a serious ride. Some of the officers got hurt. But at the end, they waved it off and said once they got control of the institution back and uh, found out what, what, what started all this, and that's what they choose to do, just forget about it. Nobody was prosecuted, but I was given a stern warning that if anything, I mean anything happened again, in that institution, they was gonna come after me and my crime partner. And so I just refocused myself and paid attention to uh, me and my partner, my crime partner's case. And eventually we got out of there with, I believe eight years, it was eight years we had to do. And uh, on a plea bargain, uh, the guy that we uh, actually uh, snatched, uh, he was a gangster a wannabe gangster and uh, his record that went back way before mine and so but he was the target and actually he didn't want to prosecute us but they forced him to testify against us but at the preliminary hearing and he wouldn't identify us and we thought they legally they should have let us go once he couldn't identify us at that preliminary we should have been out of there going back to New York, but it wasn't like that. I mean, the court system, you get caught up in it. Uh, prosecutor have your case. They would do what they want to do, you know? And uh, they already had, uh, at that time in the 70s, they was dealing with Rubin, the Hurricane Carter case. And so they, Jersey is just no joke. You don't want to be caught up there for nothing. If you can help, it. you know. At that time, I don't know what the criminal justice system is like now, but at that time, you didn't want to be caught up in that in Jersey uh, criminal justice system because they they could bury you. And so, anyway, we took the offer and start doing the time. Did the time, and uh, I think it was uh, I axed or I let my wife off the hook and told her she could go ahead and and annul the marriage because uh, I think I was married and then four months after I got married, I got the case. So when you're facing 30 life, you you don't want to have anybody committed to stay with you, you know, fighting a case like that. And so I, you know, told her, go ahead and get it annulled while you can. And this way it don't take a lot of paperwork. But uh, she chose to just hang. And you know, just just play it out and see what happened and as I said, we wind up with eight years, and uh when did the tire i think i'm I'm jumping past something i'm i'm not I'm not sure, but we went and did the time what i well, yes, I did I didn't stop and explain that I had already had a case in Jersey previous to the kidnapping charge I'd already had a drug case early on and so it was criminal justice or the prosecutors in New Jersey feeling that guys out of New York were moving into Jersey and in Trenton New Jersey in particular to move heroin and cocaine and they really didn't want that presence down there they didn't want us down there And that's how it, it, you know, I got so much attention the second time around when they got a shot at me. The first shot, I got two years for possession and distributing. And then later on, I believe at least a year to two years later, I come back and in that same court with the kidnapping. And so they really thought there was a movement going on with guys in new york uh, you know moving in and to new jersey and and into trenton but at trenton at that time predominantly predominantly was a a lot of philadelphia guys were, were were there already but it didn't matter it was just wide open for anybody anybody could really anybody could really go down there and make some money and uh, you know, do their thing. It was wide up. Nobody had any control or dominance there. And so that's how that situation played out in in, in Trenton, New Jersey at that time. And we were successful in making a lot of money back down there. and. I don't want to leave out nothing part of my life uh, and whatnot but it it has been a long and uh i mean torturous journey but I made them choices you know as time wore on and I became a adult it was my choices I made the choices to continue to do the things i did and when I was released uh from uh that particular sentence, right? And now this is my, uh, I mentioned I believe earlier that I caught the case in Queens when I got shot, shot in the head on Francis Lewis Boulevard. So that was my That was my second, no, that was my first highest felony when they claim I was trying to run the police over and that was Queens and then come the kidnapping so that was my second heaviest felony i know what prompted me to move out of the state of california was the persistence of two things one that my my ex at that time well, she wasn't my sister my wife had encouraged me to move to california and i resisted that and uh, she left And she came to California, uh, upset at me that I wouldn't take the opportunity to come and see what California was about because uh, all I knew in New York were criminals. You know, only opportunity I was gonna get was a consignment of drugs to put on the street. And I've been doing that pretty much all my life, in and out, coming back, always can get some work and that work is always moving drugs you know so that that's that was the only opportunity that i seen at that time i thought i was locked in to just that but there were other opportunities i just choose to take the easy way out and didn't want to participate in mainstream i just thought that i wasn't I don't think I was inadequate. I just didn't want to take the time to get into that, and it's nothing easy about it. But that's what I knew at the time, and I just wanted to continue. So my wife left and uh, came to California, and no sooner than she got, no sooner than she got out here, she started campaigning to get me to come. And I I refused early on when she was still in New York or New Jersey that I wasn't going to California. But something happened during the course of that that during that time and it spooked me. You know, and I seen the truth in what she was saying. I was going back to jail. So, whatever happened i don't i don't really want to discuss that in 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 this segment but it it spooked me to the point where i just uh left reliable triple c and came to california and by the way i was working i did get a job in mainstream i believe it was the fortune society or one of them uh one of them groups were that were back there that dealt with ex-cons that got me this particular job with a company that's named Reliable Triple C. And they are huge right now. Still in New Jersey. I think they're still based in New Jersey. They were just a small one one facility company when I was there working in, working in the warehouse and, and driving trucks. But uh, I worked there for two years and it was time for my vacation. So once I took that vacation and yes, I was still dealing drugs at the time. And that's when an incident happened that spooked me to come to California. So this was everything just seemed like it fell in place. and It was time for me to give New York up. And that's what I did. And I really thought when I got out here that Relocation would turn me around, and I would see the benefits of uh, mainstream working nine to five and so on. And uh, it didn't turn out that way. But I was out for about work. I was out for about five years before. And in them five years that I was out, first in California, I got to know a lot of people. And once I felt the lay of the land, I started connecting with some, you know, street guys. And once I did that, uh, I met up with a tagging guy from uh, Brooklyn. And uh, he's a drug user and he, Put me on uh, some work, criminal work, and uh, we went out and uh, we did the job, and uh, ninety thousand dollars and split it three ways, and so that got me back going and backsliding, so to speak. So uh, I'm right back in it. it, it, it relocation didn't it, it didn't pay off for me right at that time. But I did have a taste of of working, and I knew what it was about. But I still had that criminal mentality. <laughs> right. Go ahead. You all
0: right? Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, I still had that criminal mentality running through me. And uh, I ran with that for Maybe a, a year until I uh, got busted, uh, snitched on, and uh, that's when I caught my. I guess not. Uh, somehow I think this is my fourth felony, but it's uh, it might have been my my third. And so uh, robberies and whatnot in the state of Cal California and. Uh, the only benefit at that time, there wasn't 85% and it was day for day. Do one, get one off and so on and so on. And so I really, I think that that's, I got seven years. And so you split it in half, that's three and a half years. But all that stuff adds up, you know, you, you, you pile up the years. And, uh, it used to be my, my thinking that I was the only, uh, victim uh i was the only one that was doing this time no you leave a lot of loved ones that's doing that time with you you know if they loved ones they're doing time with you because uh that's how it is you know but normally everybody think the guy that commit the crime and he's doing the time and uh uh He's the only one being hurt. No, you, you hurt a lot of people. You know, if you have a family, it impacts them. And I have been uh doing this for a long time, so uh with family. And so they had to endure along with me every time I, I, I stumped, every time I tripped and fall or a disaster came about. It it impacted them. You know they wouldn't. You know, we never talked about it. But as you uh, get older, you realize the damage that you you have done. But I, I'm I'm just glad that I was able to have the opportun- opportunity to somehow try to redeem myself before one minute <laughs> uh, before uh my parents passed away and that gave me uh uh didn't give me nothing but it it relieved me a trend uh, It was a tremendous relief to go and explain to them that I made it because they had planted all the right seeds. It just didn't come about. It took a long time to come to to develop, like with anything but they have always resisted anything that was illegal and always tried to put me on the proper path. It it was just my lack of knowledge that wouldn't allow me to embrace that at that time. So it took a while, it took a while. And as somebody told me many years back, timing timing is everything you know when the time comes you'll see it and you need to take advantage of it because if you see it and you understand it that's the time to to move on them thoughts you know of correcting your life and that's what that was about correcting my life and i did get the opportunity to go and after I would, you know, finish with the prison system, it was out of my system, the streets and everything, it was trying to live